today. Yeah, because uh, we're supposed to be fasting. How many of you are fasting today, Christmas Day? You see, there's some of us are very spiritual. The rest of you. But for your sakes, and I mean this, for your sakes, we will break it after the service. For your sakes. <laughs> What's your problem? Huh? <laughs> All right. Um, did you get any presents? Any wonder? Who got a really great present? Yeah, I'm still waiting for mine. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I actually told the family, well, I told Aisha, I didn't tell the children, didn't want any presents to, um, this year because it came from the same part. I mean, didn't want any presents <laughs> this year. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, as for the children, I'm not sure. I want my presents, so we, we, we shall see, yes. All right. Well, this morning, I want to share something to, um, with you, um, and then we're going to take communion. I want to share with you concerning the birth of our Lord, specifically, I've entitled the message, Understanding God's Purpose Through the Birth of Christ, or How God Does Things, How God Does Things. So we're going to learn lessons from the birth of Christ on how God works in our lives, how God works in our lives, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, from verses 1 to 20, it's a long read, and then I'm just going to whisk through it, uh, and then I encourage you to look at the notes and study it for yourself. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be, sens- should be registered. Sorry, This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee and out out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they, were made widely, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. 
Amen. We've had your Bible reading for the day. Now let's all go home. <laughs> Not really. Wait. All right. Um, just for your information, if you need to take your child out over there, that room, you can go there and just keep the door open and then you can enjoy with us as well. And if your child needs to be running around, because it's a bit restrictive here. You know, normally in our service at the back, the children can be running around. So don't, don't force them to stay here and enjoy the word of God. <laughs> All right. So let's look at some of the lessons. Now, um, each verse, there's a lesson we can learn from each verse, I'm sure. But I want to highlight um, different lessons, and if we have time, we'll dwell on them, about how God works through us and in us using the birth of Christ. A few things to say. We know that the Lord was not born on the 25th of December. How many of you know this? Yeah, the Lord was not born on the 25th of December. Uh, Christmas trees have nothing to do with the birth of Christ. Uh, there were not three wise men. In fact, we don't know how many wise men there were. We know there were at least two because it said wise men. That's about it. Um, we know also that they, the wise men did not come and see the Lord in the stable. They didn't come there. They didn't meet him there. So those pictures where you have the wise men and they're in the stable are not biblical. They're nice pictures, but they're not biblical. The wise men came when they were in the house. Um, and, and that was like a year and a half to two years after this particular incident. We know that uh, Christmas itself was the marrying of a pagan festival that the Roman Catholic Church adopted or um, adopted to celebrate the birth of Christ. All right. Now, having said that, there are some believers who would say, because of this, they do not celebrate Christmas. And that's fine. If your conscience does not allow you to celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate Christmas. But for those of us who are at liberty to celebrate Christmas, don't castigate us or tell us off because we are happy to celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. You say to me, why would you do that? Because it is an opportunity to preach the gospel and to get you to come to church and pay your tithes. No, not really. <laughs> to get you to come to church um, and, and it's an opportunity for us to celebrate our faith. And for me, I think it's very important for us as a church, especially since last year, as we were doing our Christmas service, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you from now onwards, I want your church from now onwards to honor me on Christmas Day and on Good Friday. So for us even as a church, we actually have no choice anymore. We have to honor him. So I remember deciding in myself, well, even if it's me, Aisha, and the children, and maybe the worship leader who has to come, we will come. We will come and we will honor the Lord on Christmas Day. So I want to just say that on the onset, all right? But we use it as an opportunity to celebrate our faith. Again, let me add this. There is nothing in the Bible that tells us to celebrate the birth of Christ. So we don't have to celebrate the birth of Christ. But there is nothing in the Bible that prohibits us from celebrating the birth of Christ. Amen. So we are free to do so if we wish. All right. Having said that, I'm not going to preach your usual Christmas message. I think there's things that you've heard enough of them, and uh, you can just go back in the years and listen to some good preaching that others have preached. But I'm going to talk to you about purpose and how God does things, how God does things. So the first thing I want you to look at in this narrative is this. 
God orchestrates events to align us with his purposes. Verse 1 says, there was a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. In other words, Caesar Augustus made a determination to number everybody. Now, he may have thought he was making that determination out of his own vanity or his own desire to ensure that the empire was prospering the way he wanted to. But in God's economy, God needed to move Joseph, who lived in Nazareth, to Bethlehem in order for his word to be fulfilled. So for God to ensure that his word is fulfilled in our lives, he will move everything in order for it to conform with his word concerning our lives. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. So the first lesson is this. When you and I align ourselves to the purposes of God, the whole of creation and the system of this world is at the beck and call of the purpose of God for your life. Second thing, second lesson is this. God's purposes are spiritual, but realized in time. In other words, for God to do something, he will first determine it spiritually or in the spirit, but there will be a specific time that that purpose must be realized. So verse 2 says, this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. It was a very specific census, and it was there because the time had come for Messiah to be born. And for Messiah to be born, scripture had to be fulfilled. He had to be birthed in Bethlehem. Even though the circumstances were that they were in Nazareth. A very long journey. Galatians 4.4 4 says this. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. The point I want you to make is this. God is never late when it comes to his purpose. Amen. When the fullness of time comes, nothing can stop what God Amen. wants to do. Amen. You know, the other day, um, Ghana, my second country, <clears throat> had, had, a, had an election. It had an election. And when it had an election, you know, the ruling power lost. And one of the things that the, the president said, the, um, the, the outgoing president said, he said this. He gave this, I read this thing, and I thought, is this, is this, because he, he was giving his kind of his speech. And I read his speech, and I thought, is this even authentic? So I asked, is this real? And they said, it is true. He gave this speech. This is a transcript. And one of the things he said is this. When he was a young man, or young boy, he lived in the north, and there were some very powerful thieves who were, um, they used to use oko to rob um, people of their cattle. They will even tell you, we're coming for your cattle, and they'll rob them, and so forth. But he said that went on for a while, and then, but when the time came for these um, charlatans and these um, um, magic men, so to speak, to be um, overcome, they were overpowered by women. And the point he was making is, is because their time was up. So when your time is up, God will cons things will conspire against you. In the same way, when God determines something for your life, beloved, there is no power on this earth. That can stop the purposes of God once God has determined something concerning your life. Now, there is a text of scripture that I should have read from the beginning. And it's Isaiah 14, 27. It says this. 
For the Lord of hosts has purposed. And who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. And who will turn it back? When God has determined something, nobody, no power, no system of this world, no government, no individual, no connection can overpower what God has determined. That's why, beloved, I want to encourage you as you celebrate Christmas and eat that turkey, remember there is a purpose of God concerning your life. And that what God has declared concerning your life must come to pass when you align yourself with his, with his will and purpose. Say amen, somebody. Amen. All right, so third point I want you to see is this. God's purposes for your life will have an indirect influence on everyone else. Verse 3, it says, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now, really, in God's economy, he was trying to get Joseph and Mary. And I, I, for me, this, this, this thing blows my mind. He was trying to get Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem at a given point in time. Now, I don't know why God does things the way he does it. But he made sure that the whole world was affected. Why? Because what he was going to do was going to affect everybody. Amen. It's like a prophetic statement that he could have easily spoken to Joseph and Mary and just said, go. Because it's clear Joseph was, you know, if you're called Joseph, you have an extra bonus. You get to understand dreams. Amen. It's just an extra bonus. So if you want to understand dreams, if you want your children to understand dreams, call them Joseph. That just helps. <laughs> but anyway, he didn't speak to Joseph. He Move things because the purpose of God concerning Joseph and Mary and the child was going to affect everyone. In the same way, when God is dealing with you, there are certain things that will happen to you that affects everybody else. That will be influenced by what he's going to do in your life. And this is why we have to be careful how we live our lives. Because you do not realize that there are certain things about you that will have a ripple effect on others who you will never know. But by virtue of your alignment to the purposes of God, you will be a blessing to many. Amen. Amen. Fourth lesson. Your history or your past plays a significant role in God's purpose for your life. One of the things you notice is verse 4 is that Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Beloved, your past is not an accident. Where you were born, how you were brought up, the things that have happened to you through your life, they are all culminating towards the purposes of God for your life. In Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, the scripture says this, that God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined, listen, their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. In other words, God, when it comes to every human being, one, we came from one blood. So the other day I was talking to someone and they said to me, you know, the black race and the white race. And I said, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a black race and a white race. Are you still here? There is the human race. There is no black race and white race. This is just pigmentation. No, no, no. 
people who are, have black skin can take people who have um, lighter skin blood into their body and vice versa. <laughs> blood transfusion takes place between, yes, that's what I'm saying, blood transfusion. Yes, I, I checked it out. I wanted to make sure. So I checked it out and I discovered, if, I don't know the blood types, but blood types doesn't look at pigmentation. The point is, first of all, God, there is no such thing as, uh, as uh, uh, black race, white race, African race. There is no such thing. You just happen to live in certain geography. Hallelujah. You are saying amen to that one. But the point is, is this. He made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. So we all came from Adam. And then he says, and has determined their pre-appointed times. In other words, he determined in advance when you should be alive. And the boundaries of their dwellings. In other words, he determined in, adv in advance where you should live. Why? So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might find, might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. What he's saying is this, in God's economy, your past has to do with your opportunity to know him. Where you lived, what happened to you, all those things that went on in your life are pointing towards his purpose for your life so that you can come into alignment with his purpose concerning you. Amen. Beloved, your past might not have been very colorful or very pleasant. But God redeems your past. Your life and your history is vital to his purpose for your life. Fifth point. Every scandalous incident in your life must be acknowledged because of his purpose. Every one of us, we have a past that we may not be proud of. You know, everyone has a past that they're not proud of. Now, in verse 5, you notice that Joseph went to Bethlehem to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. In other words, his engaged to be married wife. Who was with child? Now, when you read that, you think, oh, it was like today where the Labour Party has made being single parent uh, uh, something that we you know. Thank God for Labour on that one. We, the people don't have to have a stigma. You know, I was brought up by single parents, so I know what it's like to be, amen, you're looking at me. I was brought up by single parents, yes. First, a single man brought me up, and then later on, a single woman brought me up. So I know how challenging it can be um, for single parents. But in those days, this was a major scandal. One, he's going to be registered. So it's going to be recorded for everybody that this man... It's not married, but the woman he's going to marry is expecting. She didn't put on weight by accident. He was involved as far as they were concerned. It's a scandal. It was a disgrace. So much so that when the, and this, this scandal never left the family. Because when the Lord was fully functioning in his ministry in his 30s, in John chapter 8 verse 41, I didn't give you this verse, it says this, as he was discussing, now, this, the Lord was discussing and discussing with those Jews who believed in him. And as he was talking to them, at one point they had enough. And they said this in verse 41. The Lord said this to them. 
you do the deeds of your father. In other words, you're telling him you're of the devil. And then they turn around and said, listen. He said, we were not born of fornication. But we are one father, God. You know what they were saying? Unlike you, we came the proper way to calling us devils, children of our father. You, you are born of fornication because we remember the register. There are certain things about our past that if you want God's purpose to be fulfilled, you must be willing to recognize it was there. Because there is a reason. God is a God who redeems our past, our failures, the things that we are ashamed of. Often when people give their testimony, they like to paint a certain picture. You know, before I came to Christ, I had all these kind of problems. I used to lie. I used to cheat. I used to, they'll say the sins that people can say, "Eh, but they won't say things that people will think, huh? You used to do this. So please, 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 what I'm about to say, I am begging you, don't misunderstand me. But for instance, imagine if I said, before I came to Christ, I was a pedophile. Look at you already. You're having a problem. <laughs> I was a rapist. I, I, I was somebody who used to beat up women. I was somebody who used to steal from old people. And then I found Christ. I wonder if you'll still be listening to my message <laughs> with open hearts. There is something about certain things that we consider scandalous that we like to cover up. But for the purposes of God for your life, God wants you to be able to recognize your failures. Regardless of how ashamed you might, might have feel, felt about it or what other people think, it doesn't matter if you are willing to align yourself with the purposes of God. Your failures or your past failures must never define your future accomplishments in God's purpose for your life. Can you say amen? amen? Are you still mulling over what I said? Sixth point. Every challenge facing us has to be, or sorry, has an appointed time for it to pass. So you find in verse 6, it was, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She was walking around with an embarrassment as far as society was concerned. Now, they did not know that actually she had done nothing wrong. They did not know that Mary was a virgin and that she was carrying Messiah. They didn't know that. All they saw was a scandal. And so when she walked around places, there were whispers. There she is. Maria, really? Wow. With Joseph, I never thought Joe could do that. Never. And they were not allowed to explain themselves. If it was some of us, wait, listen, I'm a virgin. This, this, this is of the Holy Ghost. Angel get nonsense. I'm not taking this. No, I'm going to put a disclaimer. If it was some of us, they will, they will put an injunction on court. Anybody who says anything about my wife and me, you will find out. No, they took it. They never explained. I'm not even sure if, in fact, Jesus' own brothers and sisters did not know. Do you know how I know this? 
because when he was fulfilling his ministry, you know, one day they said to him, my friend, why are you here? Go to Jerusalem. After all, if you want to be famous, you shouldn't be hiding. You should let everyone know. Anyone who wants to be famous and wants to do things so that people gets attention, does not hide himself, go to Jerusalem. Because the Bible says his own brothers didn't believe in him. About time, our Lord was ministering, ministering, ministering. And his family said, you know what? Let's go and get him out. He's lost his mind now. He's losing his mind. This thing is getting to his mind. This ministry affair is getting to his mind. So they, did, they themselves didn't understand it. Mary and Joseph, or Joseph and Mary, never explained to others what had taken place. They faced the challenge of the pregnancy and allowed it to come to pass. You might be going through something now that you can't fathom, that you think is just a disgrace on your life. I want to say this to you, beloved. It will come to pass. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, to everything... There is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There are times when you are hidden. There are times when you are disgraced. There are times when you are weak. There are times when you are humiliated. There are times when others leave you. There are times of popularity. There are times when people hail you. You must learn to discern the times of your life. Amen? Seven point, and um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do 20. I'm just going to do a few, and then... Do your own study in Jesus' name. We have to take communion. Seven point. God's purposes begins in surroundings of weakness and insignificance. Look at verse seven. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I mean, you could preach on any of these. Our Lord was birthed, the, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the greatest being to exist, to be. Even exist does not do him justice. You can't use the word exist to apply to the uncreated Son of God. It doesn't do him justice. And he's born, born as a firstborn son to a young woman. I mean, it, a, a Peasant one. Mary was not rich. <laughs> Joseph was not rich. They were not rich. Insignificant people. And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths. You see, when you read swaddling cloths, you think you get these pictures, you know, you see these pictures and you see like swaddling cloth and it looks like some very expensive something. Leftover cloths. Cloths that you use to kind of clean things. Is what he was wrapped in. And was laid in what animals eat from. You read manger. You see the manger of, of this nativity place. Kind of nicely being with some hay done like that. And, you know, it kind of looks like, oh, I'd like my child to lie in that one. No, that ain't what, what he was lying in. Have you ever seen what sheep and, and cows eat from? Would you like to eat? I, I tell you, when we were having our firstborn, Aisha, we were talking about prams, even prams, what we pushed them in. And I was suggesting, you know, the prices, because you see the price, you think a pram it shouldn't, cost, it shouldn't cost more than 67 pounds, 70 pounds maximum. Then you're looking and then it's 
450, 550. There's deluxe. There's, and I'm like, and you know, she look at you like, it's our child. <laughs> and it's like, and it's our money. It's our child. It's our money. I mean, he will not die. Just, just. And I even, I think I suggested second hand. <laughs> Her firstborn, your firstborn. You don't put your firstborn son in what animals eat from. Are you, Joseph, you'll be in trouble. But that's what the Messiah was putting. Why? Because God doesn't start his purpose the way we do. It's in weakness. It's in surroundings that we would despise. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The base things to confound the mighty. The weak things, the things that are despised, the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God does it differently. So when God is dealing with you, don't think he's going to deal with you the way you see it on, excuse me to say it like this, Christian TV, or the way you see it in the films. You know, action, action you. You know, dun, 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 you come out, dun, 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 you break it, everything's a dun, dun. I've learned it from my son. I've learned it from my son. I listen to my children when they're playing. This isn't how I play, I'm just saying. This is how my children play. <laughs> no, God does it in such a way that you like, oh, Nah, I don't think so. Really? Is this what, what, what was your church? At your level, you still go to that church. That, I mean, I remember one day we had them. <laughs> I have to tread carefully here. One day, there was an individual who went to a certain church. And they were doing okay. And then they started coming on national TV. One day, another Christian asked them, so are you still going to that church? He said, yeah. he said, no, now you are at a certain level. You can't be going to that church. You need to be going to a different kind of a church. They did, and today they're not even serving the Lord. You see, that is the nonsense that can happen. God doesn't do things the way we would do it. And so when God is dealing with you, don't measure like the world does. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways above yours and my thoughts above yours. And then he talks about his word, how his word does not return void, but accomplishes the purpose to which it is sent. Why? God does things through his word, not through how you think. And this is why you must allow the word of God to be governing what you're doing with your life. If you want his purposes, realize. You see, at times... Situations will come our way that will appear attractive for us to have better opportunity. And the ways of God appear long. <sighs> what are you talking about? I need to have a child. You're talking about marriage. Look at my age. Listen, we do shortcut. Get married. Don't get married. Just get the child. Boom, boom. Repent. Get discipline. Bring the child up. You're okay. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> God's ways are not your ways. That's the point. Number eight. 
God's choice in who he chooses to fulfill his purpose through is rooted in finding faithful individuals. What's that? Faithful individuals regardless of their circumstance. Look at this, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds were the lowest working of the working class. These shepherds were not rich. Let's just be blunt. Because they were watching their flock by night. They couldn't have the luxury of sleeping. Yeah, you, 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 think that, you think that at times when God is doing something, he will choose the best persons. He chose shepherds living out in the fields. They didn't even have their own homes. Watching their flock by night. And at night, it is very cold. You see, it speaks of the fact that these people were faithful even in unpleasant circumstances. If it was like some of the shepherds, some of the shepherds in certain countries, where's the master? The master is gone. So let's all sleep, Charlie. Let's just all sleep. My friend, what is this? Yeah, let's just all sleep. After all, we too, we have eyes. We need to. No, they were watching. <laughs> they were watching the flock by night because they were faithful. And this is the point. God looks for faithful people. Regardless of your circumstance. So your circumstances might be bad. It does not mean you should become undependable. When God is dealing with you and I, one of the things he will test is faithfulness. Can you be depended on? 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards. In that day, be found faithful. Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. And that, the point is this. The number one requirement God looks for in people he wants to fulfill his purpose through is faithfulness. Second Timothy 2, to Paul said to Timothy, The things which that you have heard from me among many witnesses... Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There are other lessons we can learn. And uh, I want to conclude because we're going to take communion. I want to conclude with something. And um, that is very important in terms of how God deals with us. And I want to say it like this. God's purposes, and it's in point 14 of your notes. God's purposes will always have a threefold component. It will be one, glory to God, two, peace on earth, and three, goodwill towards all men. In other words, God's purposes will always seek to bring glory to his name, honor to his name. Secondly, it will seek to bring peace on earth. What does that mean? Bring balance, bring harmony to our world. You see, God's purposes corrects error. It corrects what sin has intruded upon. God's purposes, it brings about the right alignment of things. It brings about order. And the third thing is, it is goodwill toward men. It ministers 
to the real need that the human heart has. Whatever God is doing in our lives will have these three components. His glory, order, divine order, which is peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. So, beloved, as you are celebrating your Christmas, as you are enjoying, some people don't eat turkey, they eat pheasant. Yeah, and other complicated things. <laughs> Whatever you are eating and drinking, and I believe it's non-alcoholic for many of us. Whatever it is, remember God's purpose concerning your life. Your life matters. Our Lord came in order for his purposes to be realized through you. Whatever you are going through during this season, don't lose sight that when you align yourself with God's will for your life, everything will work together eventually for your good. Amen. Amen. We are going to um, share communion. I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes as the ministers come to the front. Stand here. And I want you during this uh, time to just reflect on your life. Perhaps you're here and you have not surrendered your heart to the Lord. And during this Christmas season, it's a good opportunity for you to ask Jesus to come into your life. Um, maybe you were invited by a friend uh, because your journey in your faith has been weakened and you want to be strengthened. Today is an opportunity to do that. As we take the bread and as we take the wine, we are remembering what our Lord did for us. And we are affirming that in our lives by faith. And so we're going to pray. We're going to, first of all, serve the bread and wine as the musicians play. And as, as they do so, I want you to just be reflecting on your life. So, Father, we bless the bread, we bless the wine as we serve the church that you will bless it to our body. So, everyone will be served first and then we'll take it together. Ministers, please do so. And as the worship team leads us, Sharon and the team lead us in worship. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you are not a believer, this is not for you. Uh, just uh, be part of the service, but do not take the bread or the wine. And I want to also encourage you, if there is sin in your life, now is the time to repent and take the bread and the wine. Don't say you are not taking it because there's sin in your life. You can just correct that by asking God to forgive you and then take the bread and the wine. And if you have something against somebody, if somebody has hurt you, this is a great opportunity to forgive them. I'm not saying get up and walk towards them and say, you've hurt my feelings. No, you can do that after the service. But just take the bread and the wine and just ask God, tell the Lord, I forgive this person for what they have done. Amen.